You're about to graduate from college. What should you do with your life? I've got some advice for you. I've also got some advice if you are a mom going from one kid to two kids. What do I think about Christians being organ donors? Do I think wearing sports jerseys in church is okay? We are answering all of these questions and many more on today's episode of Relatable. It's brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout for a discount. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. We are back with another Q&A episode answering all of your very interesting questions. Some of them personal advice questions, some of them theological questions. I'll do my best to answer them how I can. Okay, first question. Post-grad advice. About to be a senior in college and will need to decide where to live and work. Oh, I remember so well being in that position. It was spring of my senior year of college and I still didn't know what I was going to do. I was trying to decide whether to take a pretty well-paying internship, but that was only guaranteed through the summer um, back in the the city where I'm from in Dallas or take a full-time job that was offered to me um, that was that was not very much money, but it was a full-time job um, in a totally different city that I had I had once lived there for a summer. It was it was it was Athens, Georgia. Um, that but I didn't really know very well. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't know where I would live, and so they were both in public relations. And I remember trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I ultimately decided to go to Athens, and the Lord had His hand there. I'm very very glad that I did. A few months after I moved to Athens, I met my husband. Of course, the rest is history there. Um, but I remember being in that position and I, my parents told me the same thing they told me when I was paralyzed by the choice of what college to go to. What choice does God want me to make? What college is going to lead me in the right direction? What if I make a mistake? And I remember, I remember my Bible teacher saying this, and I'm not sure that I would phrase it this way, but this Bible teacher, when I was a junior in high school, had a really big impact on me just because he said things that were really intriguing and made me think about the Bible and Christianity in a way that I hadn't before. And he said, it like this. He said um, something that my parents kind of reiterated, but in a more, in a more, I, I think, theologically correct way. But he said, God does not care where you go to college. God doesn't care where you go to college. And I would disagree with that. I think God cares where you go to college. But what he meant by that is true, is that where you choose to go to college is not going to, is not going to obliterate God's plan for your life. And the same is true of what you choose about postgrad. As long as you are not choosing something in sin, as long as your motivations aren't selfish, you aren't stupid, silly, you're not following some guy that wants nothing to do with you. As long as you are making a decision using the tools of wisdom and discernment and logic that you have been given, as long as you are at least trying to choose something that aligns as best as you can with your strengths, then it's not that God doesn't care. But again, the truth behind that, I think, is important that God is going to accomplish his purposes through you. It's not like God is so weak and so 
flippant and so flappable that we, with all of our power and authority, could decide something. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was sovereign up until now. I can't believe you chose that job. Like you're going to that city. I did not see that coming. Now, even though I've written every single day of your life before any of them came to be, as I said in Psalm 139, now I have no idea what I'm going to do. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to come in and clean up this mess. That doesn't mean that we can't sin or can't make mistakes. But look, like God is totally sovereign. He has planned out every single day of your life before any of them came to be. He knows exactly what choice you're going to make. He knows exactly how these days and how these connections that you're going to make and opportunities are all going to fit together and are going to lead you to every future phase of your life. So take comfort in that. How my parents put it, which I think is also very comforting, is that it's not jail. They told me college is not jail. The future job that you are choosing is not jail. You can go, you can see if it's right, and then maybe you made a mistake or maybe it was right for just a little while and then you can change. I'm not talking about being... um being unreliable, but you don't have to stay in the job that you choose or the city that you choose right after college forever. You are not bound to that. You are not writing a contract written in blood. And if an employer tries to make you do that, that's probably a red flag that you shouldn't stay. But it's okay to make a decision based on the information and the convictions that you have. And then if in a couple months you make a different decision, take it as it comes. Just take it as it comes. And if you don't know after college, that's okay too. Here's my other piece of advice that I would say. You do not have to have the rest of your life figured out. The next job that you take may very well be very different from the career path that you have or the life path that you have in the future. That's okay. You are not picking your dream job right out of college. It will be extremely difficult for you or anyone to find the job that matches all of your strengths, that fits all of your priorities, that helps you strike that perfect uh, work-life balance and also pays you $100,000 a year. I think that's what a lot of college students think that they can get right out of school, but it just it just doesn't happen. It's okay for you to take that imperfect job. You don't know where it's gonna lead. You don't know if it's the right thing for you. That's okay out of college. You do not have to have it figured out. I didn't stay in PR. I knew I wanted to do something like this. Of course, then I didn't really have that much of a concept of podcasts. The only conservative media I knew really was like what people put on Facebook and of course, Fox News. And in college, I didn't really have a sense of how I would pursue that, how it would manifest itself. I just did what at the time was the next right thing in faith. And I knew I loved to speak. I gave the speech at my college graduation and I just, I felt in my bones, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I still feel that way when I speak today. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I had no idea how I was going to get there. Even a couple of years into my first job, I had no idea how I was going to get there. God led the way. I could not have predicted all the steps that I would have taken to get to what I'm doing today. And that first job was a part of that. Um, I wouldn't have known it at the time, though. I simply took the opportunity that was in front of me and allowed God to lead me, and he has. And he's going to do the same for you. So do the best you can with what you have. Just do the next right thing in faith. All right, let me tell y'all about one of my favorite companies, and that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. I'm always sporting my Carly Jean Los Angeles. One time I was wearing a CJLA 
dress in the Nashville airport. And someone was like, is that Carly Jean Los Angeles? And I was like, yes, girl. And we had this moment because we understand that, you know what? We share really good fashion sense because we are buying our clothes from Carly Jean Los Angeles, but also we probably share the same values because Carly and her family are Christians. They're pro-life. They love America. They stand on the same principles that you and I do. They're very proud of that fact. So it really is like a community and it's a community, not just based on those values, but also on amazing clothing. Their basics line is all made in the US, which I really love, but all of their clothing, really high quality, really simple, simplifies your closet while also allowing you to mix and match. So you always feel like you're wearing something new, works in every stage of life. I'm almost nine months pregnant as I'm recording this and I'm wearing their non-maternity clothes and they're super comfortable. That's what I love about this company. Absolutely love their clothes, and I know that you will too. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use code AllieB at checkout for 20% off your order. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, code AllieB. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, code AllieB. Tips from, uh, tips for four, I think it's meant to say, for going from one kid to two kids. I always feel when I ask these questions, I'm like, have I answered that? I feel like I already answered that. Maybe not. I don't know. Sometimes I get similar questions. But okay, this is what I would say. And this is controversial. And I ha- I have definitely said this on a Q&A, but maybe it was to a different question. I think ensuring that your first child is sleeping through the night is very, very helpful when you are adding another child. I am an advocate of certain types of sleep training. I'm not going to get into all of that because I did that on another Q&A that maybe already came out. It'll come out sometime. I don't know. I'm talking about gentle sleep training. I am talking about getting into a routine. I'm not talking about allowing your child to just like cry out in desperation for hours on end. But the fact that our first child by six months was sleeping through the night, sleeping 12 hours a night, that absolutely made us ready to start trying for a second. I don't think if I had like a toddler that was up multiple times a night, I'm not sure that I would have wanted to add a second one when we did. And so now both of our kids sleep through the night. And so we feel more prepared for a newborn because we know that we are going to be getting up with the newborn, but at least we can rest assured that most nights anyway, our other kids will be sleeping soundly and we won't have to go back and forth. I think sleep is so important for everyone in the family. I know a lot of people are completely anti-sleep training. Look, I think getting the best sleep that you possibly can, helping your kids get the best sleep that they possibly can is better for everyone's relationship, better for everyone's brain development, better for everyone's sanity, better for your marriage, better for your sex life. Yes, I think that everyone getting as much sleep as possible, especially if you're thinking about adding on another child is very necessary. So that's one piece of advice that you have. The other piece of advice, do not be discouraged if your oldest child is not super excited about your second child when you bring them home. This was a surprise for me. I had seen so many videos, so many portrayals on social media of the oldest child just immediately falling in love with their younger sibling and being so nurturing and loving. That wasn't our experience. Our oldest had a really hard time um, welcoming the second in because the second one cried all the time and demanded all of, not all of, but a lot of mommy's attention. And that was a difficult transition. She did not like the chaos that the baby caused and like the change in routine and just 
how our like house and responsibilities and roles shifted, that was really difficult for her. And it's taken her a while to kind of get used to her and be okay with her and learn how to share with her and things like that. It will get better. Let me say that. It will get better. In fact, every week it gets better. It took three weeks for it to not just be, oh my gosh, when one of them cries, everyone cries. That was really hard. The first three weeks were the hardest. It got better after that. Not perfect, but it got better after that. And then I will also say every year gets better. Every week gets better. Every month gets better. Every year has gotten better. Really just now at four and two, are they kind of in that, oh, I love you. You're my sibling stage. That doesn't mean that it's perfect all the time, um, but starting to like really voluntarily share and play with each other. So just it's okay. It's okay if your first child has a hard time. They still need to know. Your oldest child still needs to know that they are your baby too. I heard this on a podcast and this really helped me. I think I thought that, you know, all toddlers want to hear you're such a big girl or big boy, you're such a big helper, which can be great. It depends on the personality, but they also need to hear that they're still your baby, that you haven't replaced them, that you still wanna rock them, that you still wanna hold them, that you are still thinking about them and caring for them. I would say this has been true for us, and I think the podcaster who said this was right, and that don't rush don't rush your oldest in growing up just because you're adding on a baby that's smaller than him or her. Let them know that they are still your baby too during that time. So yeah, that's one piece of advice that I have. Uh, how do I find community that shares your values as a young single woman? Look, I know that that's got to be really hard. I have some wonderful Christian friends who are single women. They would love to be married. They just haven't found uh, the right person yet. And if you don't have like strong friendships from high school and college, which don't feel bad about that if you don't, a lot of people don't, or you don't have strong friendships from work, which can be like a, a little bit um, complicated, uh, then like, I, I understand. It can be really hard and it can be really lonely and you can feel like your coworkers or the people around you or the people that you meet at your workout class, they just don't, they don't think the same way you do. And in a, and in a hyper-polarized world where you can like immediately pick up on what side someone is on based on like the language they use, it can be really, really tough. And so I, of course, would encourage you to join a local church. We'll link the founder's resource for that and maybe the master's un or master seminary resource for that. They have like these church search links where you can go on there. You can type in your zip code and it'll tell you some solid churches in your area. I would really encourage you to do that. Um, maybe join BSF. I know we've got some differing opinions on BSF. I'm not a part of BSF, but I have some friends who are and they really, really love it. So, and I would try to, when you find a good local church, I would also try to really plug in and to start going to a Bible study and to make sure that you're involved. Um, I would also maybe volunteer at your local pregnancy center. It doesn't have to be your local pregnancy center, although there just happens to be like a lot of women there. Um, but go places where Christian women are. That's what I would say. If there's like a women's night at your local church, I would go to that. You could even go to a woman in the women's ministry and say, look, I don't have any Christian friends. And I know that can be hard to say. Maybe that's even embarrassing to say. Um, but gosh, I, in like older women, if, or just any women in the church, and I'm speaking to myself too, like if anyone ever comes to you and says, I need friends, 
Or if you notice that someone in your church doesn't have friends, they just don't know where to sit. They don't know who to talk to. They don't feel comfortable. Please, I'm I'm just asking you to reach out to them. And again, talking to myself too, because I think all of us are so caught up in making sure we have friends and we have community and we have encouragement and we're surrounding ourselves and our kids have friends and we get so busy that we forget that there could be people in our church who are lonely. And look, maybe it's the person that we think is a little weird or we think is a little off or we just don't click with them. We just don't have fun with them. They don't offer us anything in friendship, which I know it sounds so horrible to say those things out loud. It sounds so selfish. But if we're honest, you know, we've all kind of like thought these things before, but the church really shouldn't be a place for that. Um, and so if you notice that in your church, reach out to that person, take initiative and not just, hey, I want to get coffee with you once so you can check it off your list, but Invite them, invite them to things, include them in things. And again, I'm preaching to myself here because we can all do better at noticing those people. But if you are that person who is in a position of loneliness, I encourage you to be vulnerable and go to someone in the church and look, I'm not guaranteeing that that experience will be easy. Unfortunately, churches, just like any other institution, are filled with imperfect people, busy people, distracted people, selfish people. Um, and so I understand like my husband and I have been in the situation where we've been a part of a church. We've really sought community and everywhere we turned, they made it as difficult as possible to join a community group and to like make Christian friends. It was almost like this exclusive club and that's awful. I still have, I mean, I hope I'm not hanging on to bitterness towards that church, but I still hate how that church handled that. And so try, try though, try. Put yourself out there and try. Go where other Christians are. All right, y'all. If you haven't noticed, conservatives are doing so well in creating this parallel economy. Like so many of us are just tired of giving so much of our money to corporations that are then using our dollars to buoy causes and politicians and organizations that are fighting against the things that we believe in. We desperately want to support businesses that support our values. And Public Square makes that really easy. They've got alternatives to all the progressive companies. If you're looking for baby items, if you're looking for clothing, if you're looking uh, for jewelry, whatever it is that you're looking for, Public Square has a conservative, America-loving option for you. All you have to do is download the Public Square app. So wherever you download your apps, just go to the app store, type in Public S. Q. It's spelled public SQ, but it's pronounced public square. Or you can go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Download the public square app today. I love this service. You can also list your business. And so people can find you as well. You can find local businesses that align with your values. Go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. how to support your husband as he is a spiritual leader. So the first thing that came to mind was 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So if your husband is already a natural spiritual leader, maybe he is ahead of you in his theological and biblical understanding, this can be pretty easy to follow them because they are kind of in a role of like teaching things to you, interpreting scripture for you, helping you along, making sure that you're praying, that you're in the word. But that's not true for a lot of marriages because women, I think, are just kind of 
we're naturally, in general, this is a generalization, so it's not true for everyone. I think in general, uh, we tend to make more time to study scripture. We um, are, are just more adept at understanding things with words. We like words more. We tend to read more. We tend to write more. We tend to talk more. And so I think very often it's the woman who is reading her Bible more. She's praying for her kids more. She's talking about the Bible more. She's more likely to be, to have kind of a discipleship mentorship situation going on or to be a part of a Bible study. Women are just different. Whereas the man, he might be more busy working or he's compartmentalizing. He doesn't spend his free time doing that. He would wakes up early to work out or to play golf or things like that. And maybe he's reading the Bible, but he just hasn't spent as much time in the word as the woman has. I know a lot of women who are in that situation. And yet the Bible does not say that we are to decide who is the spiritual leader in marriage, depending on who knows the Bible more, depending on who who is more theologically adept, depending on who prays more. That's not what the Bible lays out for us, actually. That first Peter passage is really hard to swallow, but it's there. Ephesians 5, it's there that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. Now, a wife should never sin to follow her husband because she follows the Lord first, um, but she is to look to him as a leader in the family, and if he is a Christian is supposed to be the spiritual leader in the family. So I think this first Peter passage applies in that if your husband, he doesn't know as much about the Bible as you do, and he's really not in a position to lead you um, biblically, the encouragement that we can give him is through our example, not through nagging, not through argument, not through tearing down, which you know all of us fall prey to, men and women, um, but through our prayer. And through our example and through how we're following the Lord, the patience that we have with our children, the peace that we have when we are parenting or going through our day-to-day lives, how we handle conflict, how we handle stress, how we handle our friendships, how we serve other people, how much we know about the Bible, not in a braggadocious way, but in a humble way. Um, And also just in in praying for him and encouraging him. And when you do see those examples of spiritual leadership, pointing it out, um, even allowing him, and this is, I know this is tough, especially for you women out there who are like, you're like seminary level, theologian level, allowing your husband opportunities to like read through the Bible with you and like if you have a genuine question, I'm talking. I'm not talking about playing dumb, but have a genuine question, allowing him to answer that question or to think through that question. What do you think this means? Did you read this this morning? What did you think about that? Oh wow, that's a really interesting thought. I've never heard about that before, um, or I've never thought about that in that way before. Again, not playing dumb, but giving your husband the opportunity to think through those things. Um, so I think that that's one way. I'm speaking to someone who loves the Bible, who. Uh, there's so much that I don't know about the Bible, but who knows the Bible pretty well and who has read a lot of theology. And um, yeah, so this is this is a practice for all of us as women, especially those of us who read the Bible a lot. This is something that we are called to be submissive in. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a practice that we put into place. Um, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Are Christians to be organ donors? Can Christians be organ donors? Mm, yes, 
Um, maybe I would need to know a little bit more about why Christians could not be organ donors. Um, now, I don't know that you should put organ donor on your license. I have heard about this, that this is not that you shouldn't do this. I don't remember all the reasons why, but I think it's because basically that gives them license to take any and all of your organs and then donate them, like even your like everything. And your family might not want that. But if you have it on your license, I don't know, maybe you could debunk that myth. But I have heard that you shouldn't put it on your license. But if like you wanted to donate a kidney to someone, then yeah, I think that's totally fine. I don't think that there is any like biblical, biblical reason not to do that. Okay, I want to tell you all again about Jace Medical, and I really encourage you to take advantage of this. This is a very unique company with a unique service. In fact, it is the only service in the United States that prepares you for medical emergencies with antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. So Jace Medical will take you through a telemedicine process to make sure that the prescriptions that you say that you need, you are actually prescribed, and then also get you the antibiotics that you may need in an emergency situation if you don't have access through the regular means to those medications. So you get a year-long supply of those daily prescriptions as well as those antibiotics should something ever happen with the supply chain or who knows what could hit the fan and you aren't able to get the medications that you need. This just gives you peace of mind. This is a way to protect your family in emergency situations, making sure you have all of those medications that you could possibly need in a stash somewhere, and then you can access them when you need them. I think this is an absolutely great idea, and I encourage you to take part in it. If you go to jacemedical.com, you can use code Allie at checkout. That'll get you started. jacemedical.com, code Allie, jacemedical.com, code Allie. Um, where am I seeing God's hand in my life? Gosh, I feel like I see it all the time. I, I, I'm not really, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I guess I don't really think about things that way. I just know that he is orchestrating all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I mean, sometimes I'm like, wow, that connection was incredible or how this is unfolded is amazing or just little things that come with like travel and my kids. I'm like, wow, I feel like God really worked that out or he really answered that prayer. But really, I feel like it's just a daily communion and relationship with God. And I know that he's always working. There are plenty of things that I pray for that he doesn't do in accordance to what I think he should do or doesn't answer how I think he should. But I mean, everything that I do, whether it's just giving me children, whether it's giving me the opportunity to talk to you guys through this platform, that I see all as the hand of God. Um, Let's see. A thoughts on Christian idolization of, or I think idolatry of sports and wearing sports gear to church. Uh, I don't know if there's any biblical mandate against wearing sports gear to church. I think that that, I guess, is fine. I would, I would be open to discussion and debate on that. I'd be open to someone giving me the reason why you should not wear sports gear to church. I mean, I don't like it. I don't like how it looks. I don't know if it's necessarily sinful. I mean, I guess if you're wearing like the jersey of the NFL team that's playing later, then it's kind of showing like 
This is my real Sunday plan. This is what I'm really looking forward to today. Can't wait till the sermon ends so I can get back on my recliner and watch the Eagles, whatever. Um, but I don't know that there's that that's necessarily a sin. I don't know that that's necessarily indicative of that person idolizing sports. Now, do I think that there is Christian idolatry of sports? Sure. I think that there is idolatry of there can be idolatry of anything among people who profess to be Christians. I think that there is probably a bigger temptation towards idolatry of youth sports because you can kind of excuse idolatry of your child's athletic success with love. Like you can say, well, I'm just loving my child. I'm just putting my child first. And so you allow sports and tournaments and competitions to take precedence over church, to take precedence over regular family time, to take precedence over community, to take precedence over rest, to take precedence over academics, all of these things. So I do think that there could be some idolatry there for sure. How do I know when it's the right time to talk to my daughters about sex and puberty? So you're talking to someone who has very young kids, so I am not going to pretend like I have all the answers. I have not gotten there in my life yet. Um, I think that there are, I mean, there are a lot of Christian resources out there about that. What I have read and what I've heard about this, because this is something that we're already thinking about, is that you need to talk to them about it before they come to talk to you about it, if you can. That's not going to be true for everything. For example, your three-year-old son might, maybe four or five-year-old son might pull a tampon out of your purse and say, what's that? And so you have a conversation, a non-shame-filled conversation about what it is in age-appropriate terms, maybe before you are ready to. But when it comes to sex and puberty and those things, you do not want your ch- your children to be introduced to those subjects by their peers, by their peer siblings, by their teachers, you want to be, if you can, the person to introduce those topics to them. Whoever gets to those topics first tends to have the most influence and authority over what a child thinks about those things. And so you want to be the first one to start laying the groundwork. And I would also say from what I've read that you don't have to talk about everything at once. You don't have to sit down and make it this. And actually, I've seen recommendations against doing this. Sit down and make it this big conversation. You don't necessarily have to go out of town and talk about it and make it very serious. Maybe that works for you, or maybe that really just kind of creates a lot of embarrassment among your kids. And you can talk about it in a way that's more casual. You talk about one subject at a time, depending on their maturity, depending on their understanding, depending on what age they are. Um, There are a lot of variables that come with that, but what you need to make sure of is that you are thoroughly educated in not just the topic, but how to talk about the topic with them, and um, that you are, if you can, be the first one to bring it up. I don't think that you have to be a biologist. I don't think that you have to be a linguist. You don't have to know everything about every subject to talk to them about it. You're just two human beings with a relationship talking about something that is a fact of life and that also for the Christian has spiritual significance as well. So they're very important topics, but they don't have to be heavy and sad and sorrowful topics because there shouldn't be a whole lot of shame and embarrassment that comes along with these things. Um, So that's just, that's the only encouragement I have when I get there. I'll probably have some more wisdom for y'all. All right, that's all we've got time for today. We will see you back here soon. Okay, y'all, another sponsor for the day is 
birch gold. If you are looking to protect your savings in these economically very turbulent times, then you need to look into converting a portion of your savings into gold, your IRA, your 401k. And if you don't know enough about that, you're not even sure what I'm talking about, you need to look into it. And the great thing is with Birch Gold, they offer a free, no obligation info kit on gold. All you have to do is text Allie to 989-898. You'll get that free info kit on gold. But this is an asset that can protect you uh, from the craziness, the unpredictability that we're seeing in our economy. It's just better to be safe than sorry when it comes to our savings. So look into it. People love working with Birch Gold and you will too. Text Allie to 989-898 for that free info kit. Allie to 989-898. Hello again, related gals and related bros. This is Ron Simmons. I'm Allie Beth Stuckey's father, and I'm here to bring you some news updates. I also want to thank you for all the kind messages that you've sent Allie relating to the new baby, and everything is going well. So thank you for continuing to have her and her family in your prayers. I know that you're enjoying the episodes that she recorded prior to going on maternity leave, and she's got several more good ones coming, including the one that you listened to today. A couple of news items is there was a poll taken by ABC News and the Washington Post whereby President Trump had a nine point lead over President Biden. This was pretty surprising to most people that read the poll and possibly it was an outlier poll that just happened to get a hold of a lot of people that were tending to be more Trump than Biden. But it was a poll that was equally divided between Democrats, Republicans and also some independents. Part of that poll also said that 75% of the people polled felt that President Biden was too old to run for office again. And another interesting point was that President Trump had a 20-point lead in voters under age 35. Uh, We'll have a link to the uh, show notes of this episode relating to this poll that you can find out more details on. Secondly, the economy. The economy continues to move along and inflation remains stubborn. In fact, energy prices were up 5.6% last month, in my opinion, in large part due to President Biden's team shutting down places where we can drill for oil and gas and refusing to issue new leases on places where we already have been uh, leasing and drilling in the past. So that's a real problem, in my opinion. Food is up just a little bit, although it's still considerably higher than it was two years ago. The unemployment rate is a bit of good news in that it's at 3.7%, which is essentially full employment in the United States. However, what's not in that number is the number of people that have actually left the workforce and are no longer looking for work. And that's why only 62% of the people eligible to work actually work. And there are people, maybe they're living off of government assistance or what have you and not looking for work anymore. They do not show up in that unemployment rate. So it's a little bit misleading, but it's about where it has been uh, in pretty good economic times. The immigration is one of our biggest problems. However, if you look under the uh, U.S. Census Bureau statistics, where most of these stats on the economy come from, immigration is up 168% since President Biden took office. And this includes legal and illegal immigration estimates. And you and I both know that's not sustainable. We need to have immigration laws that make it 
reasonable for people to come here legally, but that we shut off our borders to all illegal crossings. And why in the world that's not something that's bipartisan that, that can get done, I have no idea. Interestingly enough, immigration, illegal immigration was down 2017 through 2019 during the Trump administration. So something they were doing was correct. Uh, also want to talk a little bit more about President Trump and the story that came out recently that's very concerning. And that was his interview on Meet the Press, where he basically stated that a six week ban on abortion was a terrible idea. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Now, this was a political attack against Ron DeSantis because they he signed one of those in Florida. But other states, such as Texas, have those as well. And he also, President Trump, would also not commit to a federal 15-week ban on abortion. That concerns me. It actually leads me to believe that President Trump does not have a strong conviction on this issue. Because when you don't have a strong conviction on this issue, you can be wishy-washy and you're trying to appeal to different audiences. And either you're pro-life or you're not President Trump. Make a decision, be transparent with us so that we can know how we want to vote relating on that issue. Finish up with a couple of funny stories. Uh, and one of them is in the Associated Press, there's a 10-year-old boy and his 11-year-old sister that stole their mother's car, and I say stole because it wasn't theirs, obviously, and drove it 200 miles on the way from Florida to California because they were mad because their mother took away all their screen devices for a period of time. So can you imagine when the police stopped them and then this 10-year-old boy and 11-year-old sister got out of the car? Uh, all are doing well and they've been reunited. Not sure what the punishment was, but that should remind us that if we have uh, young children to make sure our car keys are put away somewhere where they can't find them. And then finally, I wanted to uh, mention a uh, movie that we've talked about before that's coming out called The Blind. And it's coming out separate, September the 29th. And it is about for, uh, fellow Blaze host, podcast host, Phil Robertson. This is a movie about his life, and it is an incredible story of redemption that I know you're going to want to see. You can go see it in your local theaters, but I encourage you to go to theblind.com and go ahead and buy your tickets now because independent films need strong ticket sales up front to have as wide a distribution as possible. And my final, final word for you is, is that in your personal life, whether you're a man or a woman, you need mentors and you need mentors in all the different areas of your life. I talk about this in my book, Life Lessons from the Little Red Wagon, and that if you need, we need a spiritual mentor, we need a business mentor, we need a relationship mentor, we need a personal financial mentor, and we might even need some a physical mentor that helps us with maybe our, our, our diet and our, our physical activity and what have you. And all of those can't be the same person. I always sought out mentors that in that specific area, I could tell were further along in their walk than I was, whether that was their spiritual walk or their business walk or their personal financial walk. And yes, it made me uncomfortable uh, sometimes and being transparent with them, but ultimately it helped me grow. And I would just encourage you to do that. I know you're busy. You have a lot going on, but seeking out those mentors is very, very important. There's a lot of wisdom that is stored up in the minds and the hearts and the souls of people that are senior to you. 
and I encourage you to seek those out no matter where you are in life. Thank you again for your time today, and thank you for supporting Relatable Podcast. Please make sure that you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and give Allie's podcast a five-star rating. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, guys, if you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks. Thanks.